This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. Thank you to the family. Thank you to Margaret and to Scripps and to the La Jolla community. Uh, the, uh, and to the selection uh, committee members, uh, uh, it's, what can I say, I'm uh, overwhelmed and thrilled. Like uh, Warren Washington and Craig Venter, Wardy, uh, I had the fun and excitement of working with Bill. Uh, we met first, actually, in October of 1977, when Bill was one of the founding members of the then-new Climate Research Board of the U.S. National Academy of Sciences. And one needs to remember, at that time, Climate, climatology was dissed as a kind of 19th century Dickensian science where you know, accountants were at sort of uh, high desks. No one used the phrase uh, climate science. The status in atmospheric science was all in dynamic meteorology and numerical weather forecasting. Uh, and the ocean was a piece of wet cardboard in the climate models. Uh, that's a quote from Bill Nirenberg. Uh, well, I, I served the Climate Research Board as a resident fellow, and uh, Bill and I hit it off. As Vicki mentioned, we were fellow New Yorkers. And over the next 23 years, we explored a widening set of subjects, ranging from marine biology and acid rain to the, the history of the Bronx and the Khmer Empire. Now, at age 22, Bill had begun his working career working on the Manhattan Project uh, to develop the atomic bomb. And I met Bill only three years after the, the San Diego-based deep-sea drillship Glomar Explorer had retrieved part of a Soviet nuclear submarine uh, from a remote part of the Pacific between Hawaii and Kamchatka. And it was these astonishing successes of American science and technology that strongly shaped Bill's view of the world and expectations. And I think... Uh, very much impressed me and uh, gave me some of the, I'll say, the optimism and the sense of possibility uh, that uh, Vicky described. Um, I would say Bill was also very respectful of writers uh, such as James Michener, John Gunther, uh, Theodore White, uh, Barbara Tuckman, his classmate Herman Wauk, uh, people who success successfully reached mass markets with informative books about science, geography, and history. And he criticized fellow academics for snobbery towards such contributions, uh, which Bill believed accounted importantly for the breadth of support of the American public for education and research. And my own interpretation of the Nirenberg Prize is that it celebrates people whose careers appreciate that society in the end must grant science a license to practice in the large. And I'm very happy to be included in this group. Let me add one more personal reflection, which relates to uh, Bill's encouragement of new research directions. Bill chaired the, the, the NAS Climate Committee from 81 to 83. And normally, like the subsequent intergovernmental panel on climate change, academy committees review and synthesize the existing, especially peer-reviewed, scientific literature. But when, the, when Bill's committee began its work in 1981, he told me and our fellow uh, staffer, John Perry, 
that there was not enough literature to review to answer several questions that the committee was obliged to answer. And Bill knew the scantiness of the literature at that time from having served on a Jason committee uh, led by Gordon MacDonald of Scripps in 1979. Uh, and the, uh, among the, the subjects that we were supposed to work on were forecasts of future greenhouse gas emissions, but there weren't any, uh, impacts of climate change uh, on American agriculture, but there were no such studies, and even questions of sea level rise. Uh, so Bill teased the committee members to make a whole series of fresh calculations and estimates. Uh, and this led to a series of landmark uh, uh, papers, uh, uh, findings, new calculations uh, by William Nordhaus on emissions and on taxes, uh, the first papers on carbon taxes, control measures, by uh, former Scripps director Roger Revell on uh, sea level rise and also on release of methane hydrates uh, by Paul Wagoner on American agriculture by Roger and Paul on water in the American West, again a very big topic, and by Thomas Schelling on uh, a number of important societal impacts. And in fact, the majority of the committee members continued working together for another decade or more, and both Nordhaus and Schelling earned Nobel Prizes in considerable part for work associated with service on uh, the Nuremberg Committee. Bill had a shocking gift for action. Uh, and he was full of surprises, uh, such as the ability to speak Turkish, uh, at least some Turkish, enough to utterly astonish waiters in Turkish restaurants in New York City. <laughs> And in this spirit, I offer a surprising topic, at least for those of you who would expect me to talk about counting fish. And I would like to talk about peak human. The title resonates with peak oil, peak stuff, peak farmland, topics which I've researched and written about. But my question for, day, for today is where humanity stands in what I might call the great S-curves of performance enhancement whether our species now nears peak human, individually and collectively, particularly in the US. And of course, societies expect improvement in cars, think about autonomy, and in computers, think quantum computing. But what about us? What about humans ourselves? And it seems to me, in fact, this is a peak question for science and society during the 21st century. And my group at Rockefeller has been quietly exploring this question for the past decade, especially Alan Curry. And I would like to thank the team for their creative work, much of which was supported by, the, by grants from the Office of Net Assessment. Now, Bill was a Francophile, and so I illustrate the, the question initially with a French postman on stilts a little more than 100 years ago. And stilts did, in fact, lift mail delivery, but, of course, less than trucks and planes, and now the internet. Well, let's approach the question with a, a four-part framework. First, short-term physical performance, as in Olympic events. Second, lifetime performance, like height or vision or life expectancy. Third, cognitive performance, such as IQ. And finally, immune system performance, such as resistance to disease. 
that span the broad spectrum of ways to achieve performance enhancement from Ancestry and Adderall to stilts and vaccines. Before going to the data uh, about the quartet of areas, a few general points. First, let's mention objectives of enhancement. On the physical side, we should mention strength, agility, beauty, endurance, longevity, and healthy lifespan. On the mental side, enhancing capacity for work uh, and study, important here at a university, uh, combating mental fatigue and ego depletion, and increasing social IQ, fellow feeling, group cohesion. Second, let's keep in mind raising both the peak, the very top individual performance, and the average or typical performance. If we think about power plants or aircraft, they're, of course, they're the peak, the newest, the best machine, but there's also the very important diffusion so that the average or median uh, uh, rises as well. Engineers lift the frontier with larger or faster machines, but most of the societal benefit comes from the diffusion of practice and the repetitious manufacturing of many machines. Peak Human asks not only whether the top individual peaks, but whether the group or the average keeps rising too, whether high performance is replicable. In this regard, it's important to ask how we compare both with one another and with other kinds of machines, metal and machines and so forth. And here you see on the left that first-class athletes, like the best cyclist of his time, Eddie Merckx, the Belgian, uh, differ from the average healthy human, the lower curve on the left, by about 200 watts, or let's say up to four times maximum sustainable power. So you can think again that the top athlete may be two to four times as, uh, as capable as the normal healthy person. But after even eight hours, uh, uh, a healthy human is about like a 75-watt light bulb. So we're, we're, you know, we're, we're not uh, uh, finally all that, that powerful. Uh, and even a world-class athlete compares badly in, let's say, power density to batteries on the right. Uh, the batteries... Uh, uh, the, the human is in, in blue, the world-class athlete, the, the, excuse me, green, the green star. Uh, and uh, the above that and to the left in the kind of uh, paramecia are different kinds of batteries, lithium batteries, lead batteries, and so forth. So uh, the, uh, uh, and the lithium, the Tesla battery uh, with the blue star, the Tesla car on it, and lithium batteries around it. So you see on the right that... Uh, we have about a fifth of the energy density of a lead battery, of a lithium battery, uh, about the, excuse me, the same as a lead battery, about a fifth of a lithium battery, but we're about a fiftieth of the power density of uh, a Mustang uh, car in uh, the, the red star, and one hundredth, uh, uh, one three hundred, excuse me, gasoline, one three hundredth the power density of a Mustang. So machines over the last two hundred years. Uh, have uh, really done very well. Uh, and if you think about a barrel of oil compared to us humble humans, a barrel of crude oil equals about nine human years of labor. Uh, and machine performance, of course, is not standing still. So I'll come back at the very end of the talk to this comparison of human and machine. 
now, a final preliminary point is that efforts to enhance performance go back to our earliest ancestors. Think of the Alpine uh, Iceman, Etsy, the ice mensch, and his footwear, sandals, very important, uh, 6,000 years before Nike's Air Jordans. Uh, or think of the so-called berserkers, uh, the figure on the left, uh, 1,000 years ago or so. Uh, they probably achieved their trance-like fighting frenzy by eating particular mushrooms. Uh, medieval monk, monks acquired eyeglasses. We discussed this, uh, Charlie, last night. See paintings of, uh, from Tommaso da Modena in 1352, where the pair of monks wearing pince-nez, a new invention, a new invention uh, at that time. And uh, the, uh, there's a quite convincing case that uh, speed, methamphetamine, uh, powered not only the, the series Breaking Bad, but the Blitzkrieg. Uh, uh, Bayer and other companies produced enormous amounts of meth, and uh, a lot of German soldiers probably didn't sleep uh, in the six weeks that it took the Blitzkrieg to reach Paris. Uh, the French were not prepared. Let's now begin with the most obvious dimension of enhancement, short-term physical performance, for which data abound. Uh, during the last 40 years, athletes have made testosterone here on the covers of the national magazines and other steroids and erythropoietin, EPO, and other doping products famous. Think of baseball players Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, cyclist Lance Armstrong, and the East German and Chinese swimmers. Well, when gold medals are at stake, uh, uh, norms adjust. So this figure shows that for the Rio Olympics in 2016, 282 U.S. athletes managed to arrange so-called therapeutic use exemptions, uh, uh, enabling them to take stimulants, steroids, uh, narcotics, diuretics, uh, hormones, uh, uh, so, say, so to say, legally uh, during the Olympics. And of course, doping is only one strategy or one element of a strategy in this very competitive field. Others include more formal training and professionalism, larger pools of participants from which to draw better competitive opportunities. Uh, one needs worthy opponents in order to learn to be better and better equipment. Let's quickly review a few trajectories. Speaking of trajectories, um, Southern California, uh, consider the flight of a golf ball. Uh, top golfers now drive balls 340 yards, and pros average now almost 300. Uh, what we call the Tiger Woods effect. Uh, uh, there was an initial pulse, and then another big one in the era of uh, Tiger Woods excellence. Uh, and it came in part from better equipment, like titanium clubs, uh, from changes in the ball as well, uh, from fitness, uh, from coaching. Uh, so uh, golf, which one might not think of, one might think of something like uh, weightlifting or marathons, which I'll come to later, but uh, golf actually has seen extraordinary changes in performance in recent decades. Uh, rises in the, the distance cyclist covers in an hour have also come in pulses since the invention of the chain-driven bicycle about 1890. Here again you see the Belgian rider Eddie Merckx 
uh, leading the Tour de France in his yellow jersey in 1969. Uh, the, uh, uh, on the bottom, in a normalized version, you see the, so to say, the two pulses divided into uh, uh, in, a, in a linear transform. Uh, part of what's interesting here is that these trajectories extend over such long periods of time. So basically from 1890 through Merck's almost 100 years later, the cyclists were climbing uh, this, this hill of performance uh, through this mix of better bikes, uh, uh, better training, uh, uh, the uh, uh, comp- better competition, use of teams, use of of rabbits to lead the way. Uh, And then, of course, another pulse, partly associated with drug use, but partly associated, again, with with, uh, better bikes uh, and other uh, 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 advances, uh, including uh, just aerodynamics and rider position. Uh, The... uh, Swimming has been often in the news. Uh, it's a case where performance enhancement actually has been hard won. Uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, we've actually been at a kind of peak for a long time. Interestingly, around 2008, some of you may remember, polyurethane swimsuits came in. Uh, they led to an immediate improvement in performance. Uh, and almost 90% of the medals in the Beijing Olympics went to people wearing the polyurethane suits. They were then banned. Uh, it's a little silly, I think, to b- ban the suits and not ban all these other forms of uh, performance enhancement, but uh, uh, that, that's what was done. Uh, the uh, running, of course, is a very famous uh, uh, enterprise, going back to the Olympics in, in Olympia and Greece. Uh, here you see the records for the 100-meter sprint. In this case, it's males, although there's a Florence Joyner, Flojo, after one of her amazing races. Uh, and here, you get, again, you see uh, uh, a trajectory stretching over almost 180 years, uh, people trying and trying, and appearing to reach a kind of saturation. Uh, the the uh, uh, it's, uh, Innovation is needed now, I would say, by, by the sprinters. Um, marathons uh, uh, are very interesting. Uh, marathons are a kind of market basket of human performance enhancement uh, involving training and culture uh, uh, as, uh, as well as uh, sneakers and uh, uh, ways the runners interact. Uh, uh, and it's a global. It's one of the things that's really gone global. Uh, North Africans, uh, uh, East Africans, uh, Japanese. So Whereas in many activities, the pool, let's say, in the early Olympics in London or uh, uh, even in, the, uh, in Rome, let's say, in the 1950s, were limited to a few countries or a few dozen countries. Now, uh, the potential pool of marathoners is uh, the billions. The, the globalization uh, has made a real difference. So one can find peak performance uh, by finding, so to say, outliers from a, a, bigger, a bigger pool. Uh, At the the same time, it's interesting that there are abiding sex differences, but perhaps what's most impressive is the huge gains by both, so that the the human potential was uh, so underexploited, a theme I'll come come back to 
Here you see the marathons again, the shortening of time from 7,600 seconds down to below 7,400. And in Berlin, uh, uh, just this year, the amazing uh, Kipchoge uh, nearing the two-hour limit with the two-hour dream, breaking two, the breaking two, breaking the two-hour time, uh, uh, and employing all kinds of techniques to try to help the leader uh, get under two, two hours. Uh, marathon runners would need to do six meters a second uh, uh, for the 26 miles to be under two hours, about two-thirds the speed of a sprinter, maybe by 2030. And of course, again, their credit goes to high-altitude trading, a fast pacer, or perhaps the Nike sneakers. Uh, now, very importantly, you see the imitation. And a, a, a chart of, let's say, three-point shooting in basketball would look the same. On the one hand, people get better at shooting from farther, but, there's, but people learn to imitate. And uh, a, the, so the, the, there's this very, the important phenomenon of pushing the frontier, but the equally important phenomenon of the many followers who then populate and also excel by earlier standards and in turn uh, lift, lift the, 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 the mean. Uh, let's now turn from Physical performance, performance over two hours to performance over a lifetime. Uh, before considering life expectancy, uh, uh, think about height, regard height. Uh, here's the great uh, Los Angeles Angels baseball player, Shohei Otani, uh, who's uh, uh, you know, J- uh, Japanese, uh, but uh, this, the same size or larger than many of the other uh, baseball players, whether they come from Dominican Republic or, or America. And when one looks at height, uh, if we look back at tombs or ancient clothing or the beds in uh, Elizabethan society or or, uh, colonial America, all our ancestors were small by modern standards. But during the 19th century, many nations, uh, as you see the Netherlands on the left, uh, began measuring height, first for soldiers and conscripts and then more broadly. And by 1900, men and women in most European nations, as well as the U.S. and Canada, began to grow taller, and the phenomenon diffused to almost all nations. And by about 2050, on average, uh, populations all over the world appear, it seems likely that they'll average about 185 centimeters or six feet, and Japan may very well catch the Netherlands. Diet surely accounts for the largest share of the foot-high enhancement, but minor contributions might come from other factors, uh, even exposure to electricity, electrical fields, which stimulates bone growth. Uh, Now, uh, S-curves for growth in life expectancy took off about the same time as height, uh, and everyone has gained uh, three or four decades Uh, The trajectories are steeper for some countries than others. In general, the later the countries that join the bandwagon later uh, are steeper and faster. Uh, They've learned the tricks. The early being being the innovator, uh, uh, you suffer more glitches. Uh, But here you see uh, life expectancy uh, heading uh, up uh, uh, for all nations, uh, all regions. Uh, the USA, uh, in more detail, is interesting, and we seem to have enjoyed two pulses. Uh, 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 we seem about 90% saturated in life expectancy now. That's not to say there couldn't be additional curves, additional pulses uh, in the future. Uh, but the first one, the first pulse may associate uh, 
the blue pulse in the, on, in the, on the right-hand side charts, uh, perhaps more uh, with improvements in public health ma- measures like air and water quality, reduction in infant mortality, while the second probably associates more with modern medicines, treatments of heart disease, cancer, and other causes of adult death, as well as reductions in smoking. A ferocious literature uh, debates evidence for a hard limit uh, of lifespan of, say, 120 years. And whether or not the limit exists, winning each new month of expectancy seems likely to become harder. A long list of strategies earn research from caloric restriction to physical activity and activation of sirtuins. uh, Regardless of life expectancy, uh, especially uh, uh, for Uh, those of us who are older like me, uh, the rising performance of older adults is among the astonishing developments of recent decades. Uh, For many sports, men at 70 still perform at 70% of what they did at 30. And improvements in time for running or swimming on the right, uh, for example, are especially good over the 40-year period, 1973 to 2013, uh, for those over 70, the, the top lines uh, are for 70, 74, 75, 79. This is the uh, uh, men's swimming, 100-meter, uh, uh, men's 400-meter running, uh, men's 100-meter running uh, the, in seconds. So the times are going down, so you want to go down and be faster. And uh, the, you know, the, the, record for, the records for the seniors uh, uh, have improved in a quite astonishing way. And there, of course, you see a picture of quarterback Tom Brady, uh, well into his 40s, the poster boy for adult performance. Overall, we might summarize the change in lifetime performance with the word rectangularization. If there's one word to take away from my talk, I'd say it's that one. Uh, Here exemplified by survivorship curves for cohorts born in different decades of the 20th century in India. Uh, More people remain younger, remain healthier longer, uh, and the terminal phase of life also perhaps may be compressed. Uh, it still seems to be that the terminal phase is, let's say, three to five years, but uh, that's on top of, uh, of course, a much longer uh, portion. So here you see the first line, the green line, is uh, Indian cohort uh, born in 1901, and you see the fraction, the survivorship falling off from uh, very fast uh, 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 slower for the 1931, slower in black for 1957, and then pushing out and out until uh, one has this almost rect- rectangular uh, pattern of life, of a healthy life expectancy, high performance until very near the end of life. And both, I would say, both yoga and yogurt uh, get credit. Uh, now, speaking in California, Uh, I I must observe that health and longevity are not the only goals, but also youth and beauty. Uh, The global cosmetic surgery market in 2020 was about $50 billion, with about half that in the U.S. Uh, Americans underwent more than 4 million procedures here in the U.S. in 2021. Uh, Uh, famously, but also Mexico and Germany, are very large markets uh, after the U.S. So uh, a variety of cultures, uh, I'd say all cultures, uh, value youth and beauty. And uh, on the right you see, among others, Nancy Pelosi and Enrico Berlusconi, and they really have a lot in common with the Kardashians. (laughs) Uh, 
let's move from Botox to IQ and cognitive enhancement uh, to the extent we believe the results of standardized testing, and there are lots of reasons to doubt it. Uh, we find substantial sustained gains during the 20th century, the so-called Flynn effect, uh, in all regions, as with life expectancy, and apparently also in a pair of pulses. Uh, again, perhaps the first pulse associated with, with a better diet, uh, night, nighttime illumination. Uh, the uh, second pulse perhaps more associated with schooling or other kinds of things. Uh, the gains are, are astonishing, uh, particularly uh, for uh, in Asia, again, to the extent one believes the testing, but secular gains in, in Asians in crystallized IQ, the uh, verbal comprehension and memory, uh, uh, reached, um, reached almost 30 points, which is the difference between borderline mental disability and bright. Preceding and accompanying IQ growth is uh, a diffusion of literacy, initially a great competitive advantage for the Netherlands and Great Britain. More than 122 countries now approach 100% literacy. 73 remain below 90%, but globally, most humans have attained uh, most uh, uh, most societies have attained about 95% literacy saturation. So big achievement, big enhancement. A third cognitive measure is educational attainment, degrees, high school diplomas, or uh, community college, or uh, college diplomas. Uh, and for the U.S., uh, just looking at the data, the curves... Uh, in blue, for high school diplomas, uh, it looks like uh, we're about saturated. Uh, the two- and four-year schools uh, in red and green uh, remain on growth trajectories. Uh, so it looks like maybe uh, the, the four-year schools, uh, 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 excuse me, two-year schools, uh, maybe uh, in another decade or two will be at saturation. Uh, the colleges, uh, it may be mid-century. Um, but uh, alas, the, what's called the Collegiate Learning Assessment, the CLA+, Plus, shows that for many students, attendance at college actually fails to improve their critical thinking skills. So a lot of people are perhaps warehoused in colleges and universities, but not really uh, enhanced. Returning to high school uh, and to standardized tests, SATs in this case, which most of the people in this room probably took, uh, we find that going back to 1972, there have actually been mild declines in verbal scores and mild rises in math for college-bound uh, Americans. Uh, so again, one with uh, uh, caution about these kinds of kinds of testing, which have all kinds of uh, knowing what's in people's heads is a very hard problem. Uh, but it doesn't seem that we're doing that well in recent decades, uh, especially compared to to the first half of the 20th century. And here you see on the upper right, I'm trying deep brain stimulation. Uh, the, uh, but I, uh, that was just before this talk. Uh, well, uh, let's, let's lapse or relapse to drugs. Uh, ketamine is the new fashion. There are probably some people in the room who've uh, taken it recently. Uh, on Wall Street, people are using it. Uh, well, from 2010 to 2016, my colleague Alan uh, and I followed the Reddit chat on stacks of so-called nootropics, which uh, Wikipedia defines as a wide range of natural or synthetic supplements, supplements or drugs uh, uh, claimed to improve cognitive function or to promote relaxation, boost mood, and so forth. 
And uh, you see it's a, a long list. Uh, caffeine, of course, is still high on it. Uh, the uh, uh, nicotine also, but also uh, uh, some of the newer drugs and also placebos. Um, uh, there's a lot of experimentation unapproved by the FDA. And wonderful, one finds wonderful quotes like this one from someone who calls himself the fickle monk. For something, I've, as, since I was presenting, I like this one. For something like, a, I didn't do this, by the way. For something like a presentation, my go-to combo is a Phenobut and a 4-F-MPH, an, an FC analog similar to Ritalin. The Phenobut takes away any nerves and puts me in a great mood, and the 4-F offers a bionic analytical thought process that lets me move through talking points in a clear and concise manner. Uh, with regard to the, the FDA-approved products, uh, the popularity of the psychotropic drugs just overwhelms. Uh, uh, humans want performance enhancement, especially the easy way. Uh, a 2018 study by Dr. Susan Kennedy reported up to 20% of college students using Adderall, Ritalin, or other stimulants, and the rise of so-called study drugs in high schools, both prescribed and illicit, is widely reported as well. Uh, while sales of ambient sleeping pills fell between 2003 and 2013, sales of Adderall and Provigil multiplied 11 and 15 times, respectively, Abilify 112 times, Viagra 165. Uh, so obviously, the, the pharmaceutical industry all over the world is, uh, is hard at work, and they will find new uh, effective drugs and combinations of them. Uh, by the way, a kind of interesting thing is that Ritalin got its name way back in 1944 uh, when the inventor's wife, named Rita, took, took it before playing tennis. So, the, uh... Okay, uh, on to the, the, the last of the quartet, the immune system uh, and its performance and enhancement. And let's turn the culture clock backwards. Uh, uh, and on the bottom left, you see... Uh, uh, Amish uh, family working in the fields with their horses and a dog, and on the right, uh, a Hutterite family in South Dakota uh, using uh, a truck. Many of you will have heard about the steep increases in uh, allergic and autoimmune diseases now affecting perhaps a billion people. Uh, studies based at the University of Chicago comparing the Amish and the Hutterite children suggest that modernity worsens immune system education. Otherwise, the Amish uh, are very similar. They're very, the Amish and the Hutterites are very similar, but the Amish have much more direct contact with farm animals. So the, what the French call the nostalgia for the mud, the nostalgie de la boue, actually may be very important for your health and growing up with the dogs and a cat. A big literature do, uh, debates the so-called hygiene hypothesis that proposes that uh, children's immune systems do, in fact, learn from this early experience. Uh, a new descendant suggests that the decline uh, may come from damage we do to our, our epithelial barriers, skin, one might say, and to oversimplify a bit, in part through overuse of detergents and other chemicals. So cleanliness may no longer be next to godliness at least for the immune system. It may be that uh, we, we are now wearing out uh, some of the protections that we otherwise have. Well, uh, COVID has taught the world about the role of vaccines in immune system education. 
Uh, if we do not learn as children playing in the mud, we can stage a rehearsal through inoculation. Uh, we can also isolate and lock down, as the Chinese continue to do in their zero-COVID policy. And combinations of the pairs of strategies work, as uh, the data from Israel and Germany show, uh, with uh, vaccines going up in red, cases going down uh, uh, in, uh, in blue, uh, also lockdowns being implemented at the same time earlier in Germany than in Israel. So uh, they work until... I would say, until they unlock uh, or until a new variant arises. Uh, the person who brought me to Rockefeller University, Josh Letterberg, used to say, it's our wits against their genes. And the past three years, have the, vir- the viral genes have been winning. But our wits keep working in biomedical research institutions uh, here in, in La Jolla and San Diego, very famously, uh, and companies as well. Uh, and in September, there was a, this is an example of a promising report uh, uh, about uh, a successful treatment for lupus with CAR-T cell therapy. CAR-T has been used for cancers, but uh, remission was achieved in all five patients. Drug-free remission was maintained. So uh, uh, even as we are, on the one hand, weakening our uh, immune system uh, performance or our education Uh, uh, it may be that we're uh, coming up with some ways to enhance it. Well, let's now revisit performance with regard to life expectancy in which humans had excelled and Americans had excelled for a very long time. Other primates, such as chimps and gorillas, uh, live about uh, 20 years. Life expectancy in hunter-gatherer societies is about 35, 40 years. Uh, But most human societies have now doubled that uh, over the past couple of centuries. And as I mentioned, we keep adding a month or so each year. But uh, it's a slowing rate of enhancement, but still welcome. Alas, reversals have set in uh, in a number of countries in recent years. Uh, uh, Reversals in Russia were widely publicized. But in the U.S. as well, here you see 2015-2016, when uh, people in the age groups of 15 to 24, 25 to 34, uh, 35 to 44, and also a bit in midlife, uh, uh, the death rates went up. Uh, the, uh, the same thing has happened during COVID, uh, and there are two big factors, uh, in recent, of course, the recent wave of uh, COVID, but the other big factor is uh, uh, drug use, of course, substance abuse, especially the opioids, which grabs big bunches of of Uh, life years, because it takes younger people, Uh, about 100,000 Americans died of overdoses in 2021, Uh, roughly comparable in life years taken with COVID. Globally, the elimination of years lost to morbidity, uh, to illness, in other words, you could say the, the the gains from immune system education has dropped from about 2.1 billion in 1985 down uh, to about 1.6 billion uh, uh, in the most recent times. So we may be running out of good targets for gaining life years. And also the diseases of the rich are becoming the diseases of the poor. In the, in the pickup sticks you see, uh, uh, heart disease and stroke uh, in red and orange rising, reflecting uh, uh, changes in lifestyle in developing countries. Uh, also, let one, well, they, people can live longer to suffer these things. So, so on the one hand, we're still reducing uh, 
uh, some things, including until COVID, respiratory diseases and diarrhea, uh, but we're, globally we're raising uh, others. The, uh, in the U.S., the story is the same as the world. Uh, Americans fit the overall uh, pattern. So we are after this great period of uh, gains against morbidity. Uh, uh, you see both for men and women uh, last year, the upticks representing the both, uh, I'd say, largely COVID and uh, opioids. Uh, so we've been both enhancing and degrading performance. Now, why? Uh, well, consider first obesity in uh, the USA for both men and women. In 1950, uh, in the light blue, about 60% of women uh, were normal, and now about 80% are overweight, uh, uh, obese, and severely obese, and men on the right follow roughly the same pattern. Uh, we're not only fatter, uh, we may be less clever, notwithstanding some of the educational testing or the IQ results. Uh, this is a, a British paper uh, with the wonderful title, were, were the Victorians cleverer than us? The decline in general intelligence estimated from meta-analysis of the showing of simple reaction time. Uh, and uh, uh, it, this paper claims that in fact, in fact general intelligence may have declined in the English since Victorian times. So perhaps uh, uh, fatter, less clever, and also weaker, uh, at least if we're not using supp the right supplements or the right, uh, not following the fickle monk. Uh, one study reports uh, successive declines in serum testosterone in cohorts of American men born in 1915, or 1916, excuse me, through 19, up on the, uh, on the right, uh, up to people born between 1940 and 1945, and various studies from Denmark and elsewhere have reported declining sperm counts. And our vision is fainter. Uh, consider increases in myopia here in Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore, uh, South Korea, and Japan. Uh, and while diagnoses may have become more widespread and sensitive, some of the trend very likely withstands elimination of biases. And a report that just came out uh, this year uh, uh, associates it heavily with education that uh, children uh, staring at computers uh, and uh, uh, they don't, it's a bit like the hygiene hypothesis, people don't exercise their eyes anymore. If you are outside, you use your eyes near, medium, and long range. If you're indoors, and especially looking at uh, cell phones and screens and tablets, uh, your eyes don't learn, don't become good at uh, uh, distance. Uh, and this is especially, the effects are especially intense in the Asian countries, uh, uh, as mentioned, Japan on the right, huge increases, and very much seem to correlate with changes in lifestyle uh, and education, increasing education, time in schools uh, of young students, young children. Then we're sicker also, uh, or at least we think we are, at least men in Massachusetts, as judged by the prescription medications used in 2002 versus 1987. Maybe it's the success of the marketing of the pharmaceutical industry, um, but what, maybe it's aging, maybe it's more aggressive diagnostic practices, uh, maybe it's more treatable conditions, but the net outcome uh, 
uh, suggests a worrisome dependency on pills, uh, even if all of this enhances the performance in some sense. Now, why? Why this possible degradation? I've hinted at it, a variety of things in terms of lifestyle. But why would we be degraded now after centuries of spectacular gains? A sympathetic answer is that we're victims of our own success. Uh, The late geneticist William Hamilton worried that our success is creating a planetary hospital. Better survivorship and relaxation of natural selection bring a price, a requirement for better ongoing health care. And some of our behavior, such as delaying children, may create, on average, more illness-prone children in chimps and in humans, and germline mutations may increase with age. Uh, Also, uh, we may be sort of bifurcating. Uh, The uh, doctors are marrying doctors. Uh, In the U.S., at least, there seems to be a rise in what's called assortative mating, where people of similar backgrounds increasingly marry each other. Now, any discussion of uh, peak human must, of course, consider the total Earth population of humans, our total number. Uh, and during my lifetime, as we grew from, from 2 to 4 and then to 8 billion, uh, and when I began my career, projections of 20 billion humans were common. Uh, now the highest UN projections uh, in red with the envelope around it are uh, around 12 billion, and respected demographers such as Wolfgang Lutz uh, uh, expect us to top out at about 10 billion. So we've probably passed peak baby, even if we haven't passed peak human in a demographic sense. Uh, And uh, peak human may be experienced by most of those under 30 today in the sense of peak total human population. And for the rest of nature, of course, this is very likely a relief. But for human populations, uh, the larger pool has its attractions, as I I mentioned uh, earlier. Well, let me summarize, uh, turn to some highlights, questions, uh, conclusions. First, uh, whatever the causes, I think this rectangularization is a big deal. It's a huge enhancement of performance. Here you see another version showing the survivorship curves for uh, U.S. Olympians from six different Olympics. And even among these high performers, the ceiling kept rising. So uh, this is, you know, we, we... the healthy lifespan followed then by the steep fall-off seems to be the, the new normal. Uh, second, uh, looking at the global diffusion of uh, many enhancements suggests still the large role of protein uh, and other basics in many of the improvements. Uh, vendors sell a lot of snake oil, uh, I would say, uh, or to quote Coco Chanel, Uh, I do not sell perfume, I sell hope. Uh, A a lot of products and services have short-lived benefits uh, or offsetting fallout, physical and social. Still, with so many inventors and entrepreneurs searching for means for enhancement, the 21st century is sure to bring many successful ones. But how high can enhancements take humans? Let's go back to machines. Uh, At the outset, we recognized that in terms of horsepower, Uh, humans have been surpassed. Uh, But a comparable overtaking now occurs in cognition. Uh, Here you see uh, uh, the the Electronic Frontier Foundation up in San Francisco used to track about 10 different measures of cognitive performance, such as uh, humans playing chess with computers or accuracy of image recognition, the red dashed lines or the human performance. So uh, 
chess going back to 1985. You can see the chess machines got better, and in 2007 or 8, finally conclusively passed the human performance uh, in image recognition around uh, the errors. The machines went down and passed human performance around 2015. So the... Uh, the EFF has actually abandoned this project because the machines were basically surpassing us in every task that they tracked. So the growth of machine learning and AI puts in question the full range of human cognitive achievement. The question thus becomes to what extent and how humans or human groups will ally with machines uh, and new kinds of machines. Uh, will we be like the figure in the science fiction novel on the left or... Will we be like the people on the right? Uh, the, uh, uh, will we give up competing with each other and with machines? Uh, for many individuals, motivation may be the final frontier. Now, obviously, different cultures uh, will respond differently, ranging from fatalists to regulators to celebrants to uh, machine smashers, Luddites. Uh, and an important question is how diverse national cultures will respond to the opportunities. Most everyone can who can afford them may adopt uh, titanium golf clubs. Uh, but what about new kinds of implants and deep brain stimulation? Acceptance could bring commercial and other forms of competitive success as literacy lifted the Dutch and English. Corporations, militaries, other organizations, including universities, the university admissions departments, which compete for prestige, all will face ethical choices about what to allow and encourage. How many will hold out like the Amish? And how will performance enhancement feel at the level of the individual or family? What does it look like to each of us from the bottom up? If opportunities to play professional sports or enter Peking University are one in a thousand or one in ten thousand, then the pressure to swallow many forms of enhancement will be enormous for anyone who enters the concourse. As already in Hollywood, an increasing fraction of an individual's encounter, encounters with the biomedical enterprise will relate to performance enhancement rather than restoration of health, except in that final steep decline during a rectangular life. So the, uh, the, the, what was the, most of the history of medicine is about taking sick children, wounded warriors, whatever, moving them back to the middle. But uh, a growing fraction of what we're doing is about moving the, the baseline to the right and moving individuals uh, even further, even further to the right. I'd say that now just... Uh, Brief recapitulation with, reg uh, with regard to physical performance, uh, at least the envelope, uh, where most data are collected, humans seem close to saturation or peak in many measures. Uh, there, of course, could be new waves, uh, but the big news has really been the performance of older adults. With regard to lifetime performance, maximum lifespan globally could continue to grow slowly, uh, though Russia, America, and other countries have experienced recent uh, admonitory reversals. Peak height should come soon, uh, while peak vision may be passed. Peak testosterone, peak testosterone and peak sperm, too. With regard to cognition, uh, performance, as measured by, high, by IQ, is close to saturation in most of the developed advanced world, and flat or flattening by other measures as well. The Flynn effect may be seen in retrospect as a, a kind of therapeutic elimination of nutritional and environmental 
deficits rather than evidence of real enhancement. With regard to immune system performance, at least as summarized by morbidity, we find years of life lost to illness still slightly improving, but offsetting degradation in many measures, most famously in prevalence of asthma and allergies. Overall, we see a broad stagnation in measures of human performance. However, peak human performance. However, high headroom exists for averages to rise toward top performers who are already truly extraordinary. Uh, Elite performers, whether shooting three-point baskets or resisting COVID, show ways for the rest of society to improve its functioning as the right tail lends a hand to the general distribution. Of course, science aggressively seeks ways to move outliers to new frontiers, and commercial commerce looks for profitable ways to diffuse the innovations. But with Siri and other machines still in their adolescence and enhancing their own performance steeply, many humans may choose to delegate the work to unfettered machines and rest on the plateau we appear to be reaching, very high compared to five or ten generations ago. In sum, peak human and peak humans seem a very real possibility for the 21st century. Even as special forces may become more special, the bigger question may be how much societies lift the average performance, which tends to linger at a quarter or a half of the top in emblematic domains. Let me close on a philosophical note. Surveying the spectrum of enhancements from eyeglasses and stilts to personal trainers and vaccines, I come back to the biblical declaration of Pontius Pilate when confronted with with Jesus crowned with thorns. Ecce homo. As humanity rides a trajectory of enhancement, let us not forget to ask, who is the real me? Thank you. been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.com.